So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Easy Conversations. I just want to start by saying thanks to everyone who listened to the last episode featuring the homie M. Gagnon. M, you absolutely killed it on there. It was a blast having you on and talking about mental health. And thanks to everyone who's reached out to me to talk about how they enjoyed the episode and actually had a few good, um, serious conversations about mental health as well. So that's all we were trying to do with the episode is just spread some awareness and talk about stuff that people are going through. So anyone who's going through anything and just wants to talk or listen to someone else, reach out to Matt, Am, or myself, always here to listen. So now for episode 45 of Easy Conversations. Extremely excited, of course, to be back with Matt. Say what's up to the people. What's up, everyone? Hope everyone's having a great day right now. And 40, episode 45, I can't believe we're five away from 50. Very pumped. Excited to talk about hockey tonight and excited about our guest, actually. So why don't you tell us who it is? Yeah, so I agree on all those points. We're ahead, almost at that milestone, Big 50. But yes, for episode 45, big topic, even bigger guest. Making his third appearance on the podcast, my boy, my bro, Young Z, Zach Saloom. Say what's up to the people. Hey, everybody. Excited to be back. You know, thanks, uh, Eric and Matt, for having me out here. And uh, let's kill this thing. Yes, sir. So like Matt said, we'll be talking about hockey in this episode, more specifically the postseason that just wrapped up, the NHL draft, free agency that actually is taking place today at the time of recording. So there's definitely a lot to dissect. Like I said, we're going to start with wrapping up the postseason a little bit, highlighting a few points from the playoffs. And uh, I thought a good place to start would be by talking about the most recent Stanley Cup champions, the Tampa Bay Lightning. So a point I wanted to make on Tampa was... At the deadline in March or end of February, which feels like years ago at this point, when they went out and acquired two players, which kind of boggled my mind and um, perplexed many in acquiring Blake Coleman and Barkley Goodrow. Not necessarily getting those players, but more so the price that they paid to get those players. So they paid a first-round pick straight up to get Barkley Goodrow from the San Jose Sharks, and a first-round pick and one of their top prospects, Nolan Foote, for Blake Coleman from the New Jersey Devils. I couldn't believe what I was seeing on Twitter when these these trades broke, especially Barkley Goodrow, who was a third-liner on San Jose and actually came over to Tampa to be a third-line forward. I didn't think that was the price to pay for a player like that, but what an acquisition it turned out to be. Same for Coleman. Their stats don't really jump out off the page, but their impact in the playoffs for Tampa was huge. That line with Yanni Gord, those three, was one of the best third lines I've ever seen in the playoffs. Thoughts on what they brought to the table for Tampa? Yeah, no, I think I agree with pretty much everything you said. Uh, when the, when uh, the Tampa Bay gave up so much to bring these players in, everyone... Everyone had the same reaction you did. Like, why would you give up that many? But at the same time, when you look back at the trade deadline, there weren't a lot of players available. And the teams, like, giving away players kind of knew that. So they figured, all right, we can be a little more aggressive with the return we can get, ask for a little more to give up these players. And clearly that worked out because, like you said, a first-round pick for Goudreau was, seemed really high. But no, there's no sellers, so they could sell whatever they had for a lot more than you would have thought. And then, like you said also, like, yeah, the points didn't really seem to be in their favor, but 
Anybody who watched Tampa Bay for most of the playoffs knew that that line was almost as important as the point line. A bit of a stretch, of course, but they were amazing. And they had such a big impact on every single series. And the finals especially, I thought, with the, how relentless they were in just taking over Dallas. So that was a huge couple of moves for Julien Brisebois, looking like a genius right now and uh, reaping the benefits. So, yeah, no, way to go for him. Yeah, I was just gonna, well said, Zach. I was just going to say he's either a genius or a madman, and it worked out. But, I mean, it, imagine if it hadn't. But this was Tampa's year to win, like, and they knew it, and they're like, yeah, we'll overpay, but it'll be worth it, and everything worked out. And I just want to say, like, I had a blast watching Tampa Bay play. Very exciting, like, hockey, and loved it. And I'm not a big Dallas fan, so I was very happy with the outcome of the Stanley Cup Finals. Oh yeah, watching watching Tampa play was so exciting. Like every series, they always created so much energy, and then it seemed like whenever you'd watch the Dallas series, is whoever they were playing against was like bringing up the intensity of the game. And then Dallas, you're just like, how the hell are these guys winning all these games and going to the finals? Western Conference Finals was nuts. Stanley Cup, it seemed amazing, impossible, and then they just uh, almost pulled it off completely. But uh, good thing Tampa took over that one. So we definitely do need to give Dallas some props. That's another team I wanted to touch on later. But for Tampa, just another thing that Matt, like you said, it was their year to win. And they managed to do so in so many ways. Like they ran up the score against the Islanders in one game, beating them 7-2. I want to say they scored a lot of goals in single games in each series. But they also won very close games, playing a stingy defensive game, protecting a lead, especially in the the cup winning game they won two nothing didn't give up much maybe at the end of the third period they were allowing a few more chances and that's when Vasilevsky would shut it down and they just the whole team bought into the system and Zach like you said they probably don't win the cup without that line of Goodrow, Coleman and Gould but then on other nights it was the point Kucherov show and Palat, of course, got to give him some praise there as well. And that's the prime reason why watching Tampa Bay was just so fun to watch is the Cooch point chemistry was like nothing I've ever seen in the playoffs. As far as two elite, dynamic, exciting, creative players who can score create plays, back check, and the maturity in Cooch's game from last year was evident in that he would, while he was getting targeted clearly in every series, he wouldn't really give give it back aside from the Pajot slashing on his breakaway <laughs> for the empty net, or I think that's his only incident I can remember off the top of my head there, but those two with Palazza game, he, I think Palat had like five game-winning goals as well, if oh, not yeah. five or three. Yeah, three no. game winning goals, but uh, yeah, that line was the the catalyst for the team. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was funny. I was listening to the uh, Spit and Chicklets episode with uh, Pat Maroon and, and uh, Alex Kalorn, and one of the things that like really caught my attention was when Maroon was talking about Kucherov and how much of a big impact he was. And there's instances in the like Stanley Cup Finals or Eastern Conference Finals that Kucherov would come to the bench, like talk to the third, fourth line guys, being like, "Yo, make sure we dump it in, like go hard on the forecheck. 
to have a skilled guy like that talk about like doing those little things you'd think would be unheard of but just goes to show how dedicated they were to playing a certain type of way and making sure they don't make stupid turnovers or just making sure everyone plays their game and hey when you have a skilled guy like that saying something like that that's huge well said zach like everyone was on the same page and everyone no 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 like egos or selfishness mm-hmm. um and like on the back line they like headman who won the mvp and um i got i actually need to ask you a question because i've asked several people this was has headman's play in this playoff run as good or better than Eric Carlson's play in the 2017 Sens run. Yeah, I had a feeling that uh, when you started with the run specifically, yeah, honestly, that's an amazing question. Like, the thing that's the biggest difference really is that Carlson, uh, like, the Sens were still a good team, but they weren't as good as Tampa, like, not even close, I would say. So Carlson, to what he was for his team, was probably better than what Hedman was like it's kind of hard to say because Hedman was truly incredible and they did win and he was the MVP so it's hard to say but I think I'd still give the edge to Carlson because he kind of took a weaker team and like stronger competition too when he like took uh, Pittsburgh all the way to where they were and I think uh, my uh, hometown pride is just going to give Carlson the edge there. But I don't even think it's about hometown pride. I think if you just look at the two teams, like you said, objectively, Carlson carried the team. Even though we had some skill up front, remove Carlson from our lineup, we don't go as far as we did in 2017. Whereas Tampa, yes, Hedman was extremely important and drove the play defensively and offensively for Tampa, but they probably still would have found a way. It would have been much harder for them to win but still possible. Whereas Ottawa, no chance we get to where we were in 2017 if Carlson is out of the lineup. So impact-wise, Carlson's impact is was greater than Hedman's, but Hedman's impact was still Conn Smythe-worthy, and he won accordingly. And also, on Tampa, that decor was stacked. Like, take away Hedman, you got McDonough eating up so many minutes, playing like a rock defensively, cranking everyone. Like, oh, that guy was playing out of his mind. Like, I thought this guy was done. Like, I didn't really follow Tampa this much all year. I'm like, okay, like, yeah, McDonough's there, not a big deal. Shattenkirk, he's pretty old. He couldn't be that great. You watch these guys in the playoffs, they're studs. That decor was just, it was a Stanley Cup winning decor. Like, plain and simple. Their sixth and seventh Ds with Bogosian and Shen were like monsters back there, scaring the living hell out of anybody coming in their zone. When Bogosian came back in that last game of the Stanley Cup Finals, I think he had like three huge hits in his first five shifts. And you didn't even mention like Sergachev and Cernak who are two young Mm. studs, up-and-coming defensemen, playing like vets out there. So no, they were it was theirs to lose and they won accordingly, right? Yeah, like you feel bad for Johnson getting pushed put on waivers today, but the fact that they needed that money for studs like Sergachev and Cernak, completely understandable. And it's kind of tough to see Tampa already having to go through that roster rehaul right mm-hmm. like a week or so after winning the cup. Is that their Brisbane? Like he's gonna make it work. I don't see him not re-signing like Sorelli, Sergachev, and Cernak, but he's gonna have to make unfortunate moves that like Stanley Cup winning teams have to do to maintain their young core and like the guys that they want to bring them to more Stanley Cups down the road because unfortunately while Johnson used to be great for Tampa 
he's now become he's pushed down the depth chart yeah. and they still have Coleman and Goodrow which was a good part of their trades is that they had term for next year on very cheap contracts so they're not going anywhere they just proved how impactful they were in the playoffs Johnson wasn't kind of a non-factor in the playoffs I don't know what his stat line was easily look upable but they were saying like he hasn't scored a goal and I want to say 10 or so games so expendable yeah I think his his last goal was against uh, the Bruins when when he knocked them out so a couple of series ago yeah that's a tough bounce for him thanks for answering my question too uh like a lot of people told me Hedman was better than oh, Carlson yeah. was but I think you guys explained it clearly and I agree with you guys so thanks but Hedman's performance was legendary and yeah. like watching oh, yeah. him shift all the and shift how you couldn't yeah help but like marvel at this guy like best defenseman in the world right now and I feel like we say that every playoff about a new player and that's like recency bias but it's true and next year it'll, who knows if like Nashville goes on a run we'll be saying that about Yossi or Makar or Makar oh, yeah. yep yeah exactly yeah or yeah. Quinn Hughes yeah oh Total man French connection yeah no that was that was a fun team to watch in the playoffs Colorado Oof. I know we uh, we they just talked, need a goalie, right? They they need a goalie. That's why, like, I was I was thinking maybe like in these next couple of days, free agency, they might try to go after a, a real starting goalie. Like, no offense to Grubauer, but that, that guy's not hoisting the cup as a starter. So that was another team I had penciled in for a topic of discussion: is Colorado. How far away are they from being a cup contender? People had them as a contender this year. I would have loved to see Colorado move on. But um, wasn't in the cards this year. Is that all they're missing as a goalie? Because the thing is, they have Grubauer and Francouz now signed with some term. So they couldn't really go out and get a, free, a goalie on free agency unless they're making a move as well. But a team, I don't know what a team would want to give for a Francouz or a Grubauer. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know uh, how, like, if really Colorado, it's their time as this team right now. I think it's not really just the goalie. I think a, a thing that they would miss really, and they did miss in these playoffs, was kind of a line like the goudreau coleman Gold line. Because really, it just felt like McKinnon was driving the team. You know, you had Landeskog and uh, Rantanen, of course. Then you got Makar as a weapon on the back end. But Kadri was great. But then after those guys, I didn't really see that kind of depth. Like when, when they had Dallas, they had them down, foot on the throat, could have ended it, laid off a little bit. Like you can't always expect McKinnon get two goals this game. Like Landis got to do something, right? Like you need those third, fourth line guys. Like hell, in the finals, the last game, Coleman got a goal, Maroon intercepted. Like you need clutch plays like that and... Colorado I don't think they have the full team yet and that's the thing that was like McKinnon's only game really where he didn't get a point exactly right just every team that wins the cup has those third and fourth lines that are that good so exactly not just the goalie well said so now is McKinnon now that guy that Stamkos has won his cup although he only played in like two minutes and 45 seconds of the playoffs but is he was the guy now, I think, superstar status that people wanted to see win. And Stamkos is so likable. He's His story's been rough, like so many injuries, a, a tragic tale. So he's got his cup. Now, does McKinnon become that next guy that people want to see win the cup next? 
even regardless if you're a Colorado fan, or is there someone else you'd say that you personally would like to see win, or is McKinnon your next guy if it's not your team like Ottawa or Boston, Zach? Is McKinnon the guy? It's kind of hard to say. I don't know if he's the next guy. Just because he's not, it's not like he's that old. He's only 25. He's got plenty of time. So it's not like, oh, like these are the crunch time. Like, let's get it in. Kind of like an Ovi like, guy. Like, you think he's never going to get it because he's just getting that old. But no, like, I'd be super happy to see Colorado win if there's no other, like, if Boston or Ottawa weren't really competing. But, uh, Personally, I'd rather see a Vegas win just because I'd be super happy for a Mark Stone and just that organization. If they could win a cup in the next couple of years, would be amazing. Just going to plug this in right now. Uh, I've, I watched the movie Valiant. It's a Las Vegas uh, Golden Knights like documentary movie of like their first year. It was on Amazon Prime. Amazing movie just uh, for anybody who want to watch it. And, uh, but yeah, no, I think that would be the team that I'd be super happy to see, uh, take it all the way for myself. I'd ra- I'd honestly rather see McDavid win before McKinnon. I don't watch McK- like other than these playoffs, I don't really like pay attention to McKinnon, but I guess now I will. I'm more of a McDavid fan. Um, so, but honestly, either or would be great. Uh, Vegas. Yeah. But there's such a new franchise. I don't care if they don't win for another yeah. 10 years. So, okay. Let them, let them pay their dues then. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I think I, I'd like to see McKinnon win. I know, Zach, like you said, he's only 20, he just turned 25 there. So he's got ton, a lot of time. But it's just really to get him into that realm of like Crosby-esque um, superstar Cole Harbour guy. So we'll see. I know he's got tons of time there, but um, rosters get deconstructed quickly and if you don't get success like if you don't win cups maybe they'll change up that roster completely and I think if they address some needs in free agency Colorado has a lot of cap space so at the time of recording Taylor Hall Petrangelo and Krug are still UFAs so I could easily see them adding one of those guys in their lineups and that would be amazing Krug on the left side Makar on the right who knows we'll see what happens but yeah, I, I would like to see Colorado win. And of course, I want to see McDavid win as well. But holy, that Edmonton team needs some work. And uh, I don't know if you saw this there, but they signed, re-signed Jesse Pugliarvi, who was their top pick in 2016. So struggled to acclimate in the NHL and left for Finland. And now and he dominated last year in the, their professional league. Now he's back. So hopefully he's a little more mature and can actually be an impact player for Edmonton in their top six, maybe. We'll see. But uh, yeah, you, that's a guy you just feel for. And I think, Matt, I forget in what episode it was because I was looking for the clip of me saying this. But I, my prediction for the playoffs was Edmonton and Toronto in the finals. How are you? That was a tough Jeez. call. But um, maybe one day. But I don't care to see Toronto win the cup. Like by default, Tavares would be the next first overall pick after Stamkos, who hasn't won. But I don't want to see Tavares win. I couldn't give two shits about John Tavares hoisting the cup. Would be one That's terrible awful. celebration. Yep. Yes. <laughs> Just a robot. And Edmonton also, they they got Kyle, they signed Kyle Terrace, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. 
So that's not going to help them at all. That was a horrible sign. <laughs> yeah, just, I mean, I was saying. very shocked to see that. It's not filling any holes. Why would you get a twig to join that team when you need some <laughs> offense? Another Nuge. He'll, he'll be like their third or fourth line center, low risk. Yeah, but why would you want that? Oh, God, I, you know, that guy's not a bottom six, so he's just not effective. I mean, you need to Man, he, the second PP. He needs to go to a Detroit, like a Bobby Ryan-esque, where like a <laughs> kind of skilled player can go in and out of the lineup. <laughs> you don't yeah. want him on your bottom six. No, he can be a Swiss Army knife for Detroit, for sure. Um, but more on Vegas, though, like, while they are a new team, they're kind of an older team as well, and they're in a win-now mode mm -hmm. where they don't really have that young superstar like a McKinnon. Their stars are a little older in a Pacioretty. Even a Stone is 28 going on 29. Like, he still has a lot of good years, but they're not a young team. So win-now mode. Is the window starting to close a little bit for Vegas? Like, are they in that short term now, maybe two, three more years? And then who knows if they don't get anything done, is it a long rebuild? I throw that out there to you. Yeah, I think exactly like you just said, because every year they've been in, they've been going after it. You know, Stanley Cup Finals this year, Conference Finals. Like, they're not going to be consistently making deep runs like this every single season. And like you just said, Stone's getting a little older. They got Pacioretty, who's been clutch. He's not going to stay that way for that long anyways. If they're able to sign, let's say, a Petrangelo like they made up room for, he's already old. It's not like he's going to be like that much of a long-term guy. Shea Theodore is like one of their youngest studs and he's going to be good for a long time. But if they don't win and lose all these guys, maybe he'll be the next guy to go on a trade and bring in more young prospects, kind of like an Ottawa-esque flush everyone out and rebuild heavy because they probably have like a three, four year window right now to win one with this core group that they have. And Matt, you're saying like you wouldn't mind seeing this core maybe get flushed out and then wait even longer, go through a rebuild and then win. Is that what you were saying earlier? Exactly. And uh, <laughs> this might be like controversial, but I Vegas ain't winning anything with Max Pacioretty. I find he's lazy. And well, then again, William Carlson was a no-show pretty much. And a lot of players didn't show up. And I'm not, not a fan of Robin Leonard. Like he's not... He's a puck stopper. He's not a skilled goalie. He's just there. He just stands in the way. And he, so, he had a tough know. showing against Dallas. Yeah. Especially. yeah. That, that was a tough series for me to watch in that yes. Vegas was outplaying Dallas heavy, outshooting mm -hmm. them, outpossessing them. Mm -hmm. And then Dallas would come down, maybe have a, like a few couple of minutes of puck possession and then put some in the back of the net and win like 2-1 or yeah, whatever. But that like, was just frustrating. To it watch. was hard. That's that's hockey for you though. Like when you're on the bench and you you know your goalie's keeping you in here and they just can't seem to score. You're like, all right, we're going to go down here soon and we're just going to put one in and then just keep shutting the door. And that's the only thing they did the whole series. So that's just like they weren't they weren't panicking. Like they knew they were giving up a lot of chances and they were fine with it. The coaches was always keeping everyone calm. Hudobin playing out of his mind. They're just like, all right, this is how she's going to go for us. Let's just keep it going. And the skilled Dallas defensemen, too, like keeping them in the game. Like, And Hudobin was lights out. And you could maybe some fatigue in the finals for Hudobin. Like he's he's left to die alone on his hill, right? And all the power plays. Yeah. And, oh, God. 
left to die on his hill like Boromir. And I think that like <laughs> da- Dallas was honestly they that's exactly what happened in the finals. They yeah, credit to them, they knocked down two cup contenders in Vegas and Colorado and no one really picked them to win those series. Even Calgary people had them losing to them. So had they won the cup would have been extremely well deserved, but they just ran out of gas in the finals and it showed in their top scoring player Miro Heiskanen absolute stallion on the back end for Dallas but was a no-show in the finals made a lot of inexperienced mistakes and Hudobin reverted to the slob that he is and that he's a backup goalie this guy showed his humanity in the finals essentially but still credit to Dallas I think they're an exciting young team with a lot of upcoming players but can, no match for Tampa. Tampa was the perfect team to win. Mm-hmm. And like for Hudobin, I don't. Th- I th- they they said the stat precisely, but like games played in a row, this was the most ever in the NHL for him. And like, who knows when the last time it was? Like in some other professional league where he was technically a starter. So for him, for sitting on the bench all the time, playing one or two games, to playing all those playoff games in a row, obviously he's just gonna be gassed out. Especially living in the bubble, like that's a whole other thing completely. Who knows what the hell is going on? I guess the news came out that Tyler Seguin was injured, I guess. Mm-hmm. But like I thought he was a huge no show, but <laughs> now it's understandable. Yeah. And Jamie Ben didn't do much more than like No. He didn't he didn't he didn't excite me, you know. He wasn't doing anything. No, he, he was I thought Radulov played decent, like as good as he could have and Pavelski as well. He had a good playoffs. I hate Pavelski, but yeah, he played well. I don't. He he's got a face you just want to hit. Him and Corey Perry. Oh God, no terrible twin. No, nobody sure, but... can match how much everyone wants to punch Corey Perry in the face. Oh, oof, God. But he was cl- Perry His scored some huge is goals. Worm for God's oh, sake! Okay. Shout out yeah. Edward Norton. <laughs> but Perry played. It was clutch. Yeah, he was. Um, he came up big. Yeah. Kind of a random signing. They're like, yeah, we'll throw him a bone and frig. Guy was huge for them at some times. You sign a guy with experience, that's what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. But uh, back to the Vegas versus Dallas, extremely frustrating when you shot the, the shots on goal count and you're like, why is Dallas still in the game? And then they get a power play and score or Leonard get, lets in a weak goal. Uh, super frustrating, just to reiterate. Yeah. We could go over the Islanders, but that would basically be the same thing as going over Dallas. That's how they won their games. And I was actively cheering against the Islanders all playoffs. So if we're all in agreement, we could maybe move on to the draft. Some Sens. Sens talk? Yeah. Give a quick intro to what happened in the draft is that we got the third third and fifth overall pick. I was watching, eagerly waiting on. We knew Lafreniere was going to go first overall. That was a certainty. Still took a while for the Rangers to announce it for some reason. I don't know why they had to let the clock bleed to under a minute, but just for good entertainment, I guess. Then it all came down to L.A. And in my mind, I was hoping L.A. would take Stutzel because I wanted Byfield. Then when they said Byfield, you know what? You accept it right away. You're getting a guy who's been compared to Patrick Kane. And now you want to tamper expectations with Stutzel? But I'm ecstatic about getting this guy in saying that I was hoping we got Byfield because this guy looks like extremely determined and focused on making our roster and bringing, like he said, cups to Ottawa. And I think 
He means it when he says it. This guy, I hope, is going to be the real deal German beast. I've watched his highlight clips. Looks amazing. Guy's going to be rocking number 88. Looks to be our top forward of the future. I'm all in. What were your thoughts on our draft pick in Stutzel? Yeah, I think it's a no-brainer, obviously. Like, everybody knew we had Lafreniere first, of course. And then 2-3 was a toss-up, but whoever picks, whoever gets picked at 2, you're taking the other guy. If they were going off the board, best believe Ottawa was going to be riding the streets. Dorion's head would have been on a spike if they didn't take Stutzel after Quinton Byfield was picked. But, more seriously... Um, I'm super excited <laughs> about getting this guy. He seems like he's got ton of skill, obviously, getting compared to Patrick Kane. That's a no-brainer right there. But just also the fact that, yeah, he's been compared to Kane. He's got a lot of skill. I don't really know him, though. So it's just going to be exciting to actually see him play in a real game other than just seeing like a few highlights here and there. So it's going to be super exciting. Those first couple of games, people are obviously expectations are going to be high, but I know that okay, you can't expect miracles from these guys. He's still 18. So it's going to be fun. It's just going to be super exciting for the Sens, and uh, I'm, I'm super thrilled to have him coming over to, to play for this team. Uh, I can't add much more except that like I like the fact that he's like a left wing and a center, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, like, I hope he, he becomes our own Leon Dreisaitl, you oh, know, our own God. German superstar. Yeah. And that's, that's the hope, and that's what I'm going to – I'll end it on that. Be with you there. And then, then there was number four where, again, it was kind of like um, – well, that's where the second or third part of the draft, I should say, started in that we didn't really know what Detroit was going to do. They end up going with the guy I was hoping would fall at number five in Lucas Raymond, Swedish winger. So Detroit takes him. There's a ton of options at forward for Ottawa to go with. And in the back of my mind, I can't help but think that what I've read all day long is that Ottawa likes defenseman Jake Sanderson. Sanderson, Sanderson. Like, okay, come on. Like, I hope this isn't the case. Left defense is not our priority. It's not a need. We have Shabbat. We have Brandstrom. We have Wolanin. Sure, Brandstrom can play the right side. We're set on left D. Let's take another forward. There's Cole Perfetti, Marco Rossi. There's um, even like Holtz, Alexander Holtz, and um, even Jack Quinn. Yeah. So options. We go with a defense. Or if we were going to go defenseman, I would have wanted Drysdale. Right shot. But anyways, so we end up, it's obvious they take Sanderson. I'm filled with frustration on the spot. Zach, I'm sure you can echo this. We were talking that night, so I know you can. But the more I thought about it, and I've, from what I've read online, I've come to terms with the pick in that they're saying this is a guy who's a six foot three, mobile, two-way defenseman, great gap control, will be the kind of character leadership that you will win with down the road. Like a Jake Bowmeister, he's been compared yeah, and hey, if he turns out to be a Bowmeister, smooth yeah. skating, tall defenseman, responsible on both ends of the ice, fantastic. And that's what I'm going to have to accept, just trust the sta- the scouting staff. And hopefully he becomes a, a Ryan Whitney at number five. You never know. But um, I'll wrap it up there. And that's initially I wasn't happy with the pick, but it's grown on me and I look forward to watching his development. Yeah, I I was I wanted them to pick a forward too to be honest because I thought we were more set on defense on D, but 
I guess like someone told me you can never have enough good defensemen, right? Like you can always do move somebody and uh I think Ottawa just like, well, let's just draft the the number one defenseman. Like let's just draft the best defenseman and then we'll have I don't know. They they have room to move players now, I guess, but and someone to play with Shabbat, I guess, but they're both left wing, so I don't yeah, you know what? I'm still indecisive about that. I'm not sure why that happened. Zach. Yeah, no, I'm gonna. Me too. When uh, when they announced Sanderson, uh, I was not particularly happy. I was somewhat fuming. I was kind of ranting all <laughs> over my uh, my living room area. My mom can attest to that. But anyways, at the beginning, I'm like, okay, kind of like what both of you guys said. Like, I don't really see why the Sens would want to take a D and like a left D at that. Like, if you want a D, take draws. All that stuff was just going through my mind. I think I texted Eric like, great, we just drafted the next Jared Cowan for the Sens. I was just like not happy, not loving it. But then, you know, I just kind of settled down. The next day, first thing I see is that, oh my God, the Ottawa Senators won day one of the draft. I'm like, okay. So I guess uh, Dorian's looking like more of a stud than I was thinking. Then everyone's talking about how Sanderson is this amazing skater, which we already heard, but that he can, his offensive game is growing. And I even heard him getting compared to by a few people as potentially the next Zach Wierenski. So if that is a true statement right there and we're getting a potential Wierenski-esque defenseman on the Sens who could be like a shutdown guy when he has to be but can also be a stud offensively, that sounds pretty exciting. And and it's like what Matt said. You can never have too many good Ds on a team. Like we've been, we talked about this earlier. Tampa's team was stacked. Their Ds was stacked. St. Louis last year, their Ds were stacked. Like a Stanley Cup winning team, you can't have gaps in your decor because you're not going to have 4D ride the wave for a full Stanley Cup playoff. You need a full decor that's going to take you through the entire series. So I've grown to terms with it. I'm actually more, the more I think about it, the more I'm excited about it. If he turns out to be what everyone talks about, this could be huge for the organization. Okay, I haven't heard Wierenski. I haven't seen that anywhere. But if that's the case, that's fantastic. And then even you could even split those two up. Sanderson could be on the second pair. And then kind of like a Duncan Keith, Brent Seabrook, down a goal last minute, you put Sanderson and Shabbat on the ice together or to protect a lead as well. I feel like Sanderson's going to be that guy who will for sure be protecting a lead at the end of the game and to carry big minutes. But maybe even down the road, he develops his offensive game, becomes a Wierenski-esque. That'd be amazing. So time will tell. I think that's a player that we won't see for a few years. Stutzel may make the jump next year, or this year, I mean. Sanderson is going to North Dakota, so that's a certainty. We're not going to see him this year. I wouldn't even mind seeing him do two years in college if the numbers, offensive numbers don't jump off the page. But... That's the thing. We'll have to see what he does this year in college. And with all those other North Dakota prospects that we have in a Shane Pinto, Bernard Docker, and drafted another guy. His name's escaping me. Tyler something. Irrelevant second round pick. But then we also drafted another guy, Ridley Gregg. What a name. That's a, a character John C. Riley's playing in a movie. But So that was our other pick. And I think he can become like a maybe a mid-six centerman for us. Kill penalties. Be another gritty forward if he makes it down the road there. So at that point, I wasn't watching the draft anymore. I honestly thought we were going to trade that pick. 
But what they're saying of this guy is that he was ranked at like around number 20 and we were able to draft him at 28. Sure, that's a nice little bonus pick. Thanks, Pajot. We'll take it. Yeah, no, uh, I don't know much about him. You know, he's a Western Hockey League player and uh, it's not like he was. his name was jumping off the top of Sports Center throughout the year or whatever. But uh, uh, someone compared to him as a brad marchand-esque player gets under your skin but can still put up points now of course we can't hope that all of our players are going to turn out like a superstar in the nhl but if he's got some qualities like that like even if he's kind of like a like a cadre-esque player who can get under your skin but still put up some points you know like teams need those kinds of players so if he can end up being one of those guys and at some point in his career and with ottawa that that'd be huge I'm just happy that he's a center because anything to get Chris Tierney out of the lineup <laughs> is great by me. Oh, Tierney. Yeah. But the Sens also, what I'm happy, the, the most happy about the Sens is the trades they've done. And, um, like, that's how I, like, Darion, I'm, I was actually really impressed with what he did because, well, Eric, why don't you, like, prep the, inter- like, the, the goalie trade? So yeah, that was to kick off day two of the draft, which I was kind of anticipating more moves to happen on day two. That's normally when you see a lot of action on draft day. People are kind of tentative to make big trades on day one, but day two did not disappoint Mm -hmm. with the acquisition in Nets that Darion did for Ottawa in getting Matt Murray in Nets for us by only giving up, which we had four second round picks that day. He traded our second highest second round pick, so the 52nd overall, and our a prospect by the name of Jonathan Gruden, who would be qualified as a or classified as a maybe a B or C prospect in our organization. That's also given the fact that we're extremely deep in prospects. So when I saw that, I was like, Dorian's a genius. Mm-hmm. What a trade. We yeah. get our goalie of the present and the short term future which allows our goaltending prospects to just take their time in their development. There's no rush now. We actually extended or gave Murray a contract, four years, 6.25 AAV, which some have said that it's maybe a bit high as far as monetary value goes. We have the cap space, and by the time his contract is done, our, our um, top prospects will maybe be on the first year of their new contracts after their entry level, so that's perfect. Right now we have the money to spend. Let's do it. And if by that point Murray's no longer good, that's fine. Our other goalies will be. But right now, this is perfect. It's a change of scenery for Murray. Reinvent himself. Prove the doubters wrong. Absolutely love it. They couldn't have said it better, Eric. Um, no, go ahead, Zach. No, honestly, like you pretty much covered uh, covered everything there. Like Murray, yeah. it was a great thing that we got him. Uh, I was super happy, you know, uh, a big name coming to Ottawa, especially like people were disappointed that Anderson's gone. Like that whole Anderson era is over. He was great for the Sens, but we had to move on. So right away, we're getting a stud like Murray to replace him instantly. And yeah, I love the contract. Uh, 6.245 or whatever it was there per year. It's uh, it's big gear money, but man, we have so much cap space. It's like nothing paying that, and uh, and it's not that long of a term anyway. So if he comes out to be kind of like what he was when he was winning the Stanley Cups, if he turns out to be a superstar goalie, then the deal doesn't even look like it's that much money. So all in all, super excited about the trade. 
no, I'm like you guys said, I'm pumped. And it's like a younger goalie now. No more like wondering where, how many more years Craig Anderson's going to stay on. And <laughs> I love the fact that Murray is like, okay, he got ousted for like uh, Jari or Yari or whatever. Um, and now like he, he should be a little ticked and have like prove Pittsburgh, uh, prove to Pittsburgh that he's actually like better than that. And mm-hmm, he yeah, has motivation, yeah. which I love. Yeah, a nice chip on yeah. the shoulders. Saying that, yeah, you chose that guy over me? Oh, I'm going to regret mm-hmm. that one. Yeah, that's a good point. And he won two cups for Pittsburgh. Obviously, they were stacked up front there, playing with one of the best players of all time in Crosby and no slouch in Malkin. But he was still huge in the playoffs for uh, for Pittsburgh. And if you'll recall, in 2017, when Ottawa played Pittsburgh in the Eastern Conference Finals, it was Fleury who started that series and... I forget if we were actually up to one at one point, but then they made the switch to Murray, and then that's when they really took over, and Murray was playing much better than Fleury. Murray's proven that he can do it. He's still young, so it's it's exciting. Another trade was the good Branson acquisition. Thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, another another good one from uh, not giving up much. You know, fifth round pick to get in a experienced guy. You know, he can be a leader for all the young guys on the team. Uh, I know we've talked about this, uh, but, uh, you know, he could potentially be getting an A, getting a leadership role right away on this team. He's signed at $4 million for a year, so uh, it's not like we're spending a lot of money on him. There's really no downfall on this trade. I think uh, something that we needed was size on the back end, and we definitely got some there. So, uh, no, all around, uh, I don't really see the downfall for getting good Branson. Yeah, I, lo- I love it personally. It's... It's like they're replacing Mark Borowiecki, but with a player that can actually, like, play hockey. Like, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) And he can, I love his size and his physicalness. Like, he's just going to protect our young players. And I'm so happy Mark Borowiecki's gone from Ottawa. And something, it's funny you say that, because (laughs) some things I've seen on Twitter are that people are hating on the good Branson acquisition, but we're also hating that we let Borowiecki go. Where good Branson is coming in to play exactly the same role as Borvietsky, and if anything is even tougher, and that's no knock on Borvietsky, mm-hmm. but good Branson's a big boy. He's like six foot four at least, and I want to say two twenty. So no one's gonna want to mess with Ottawa, especially in that we got Josh Brown as well, who's mm-hmm. another six foot, I think six five defenseman. We're gonna be an extremely tough team, but people just that's their go to is they love to hate. So they love giving Darion grief, but he's been making some good moves. And watch out, next year, we can't be getting fooled now that Ottawa's going to be a contender, but we're going to be a tough team to play against. And with those two big boys on the back end, Kachuk, the homie, yeah. getting into like more of a comfort zone in the NHL is going to keep being physically imposing. And uh, Murray and Nets, Stutzel, let's go. I mean, there were... We're going to be better than last year. That's no doubt. And even if we are bad again, it's a loaded it's a loaded draft for defensemen. So if we do end up at the bottom, hopefully this will be the last year we take a defenseman high in the first round and then we'll be set. I think this is the last year of the full rebuild where we might be in like bottom 10 worse in the league because I think after this we're turning a corner. Okay, like scoring might be a problem this year, like losing Duclair will hurt, of course. 
And Stutzel might play. Like I think Stutzel played against men last year, right? Like in yeah. the European League yeah, or something. Yeah, in the German. Top so German he might league. be. He might be ready. Um, but no, like Colin White scares me. Uh, like players like that, big question marks is what I'm saying. So it's going to be interest, interesting. A lot of players have stuff to prove, right? Yeah, no, I think I think we can't get ahead of ourselves here. I think it's still going to be a rough year. Um, when, when we're looking at the actual lineup, come what it could look out to, like the average age could be like 23 on the offense. Come, I don't, I don't think... Uh, we can kid ourselves and think that we're going to be out of the basement this year. I think it's a little bit more of a stretch. We're definitely going in the right direction and faster. Like, I thought it was going to be at least two to three rough years, but more rough years, I mean. But I think this year is going to be a little sloppy just because, like, it's not like Brady Kachuk's going to be a superstar this year. And White, like Matt just said, like, he's still a question mark. He hasn't really proved himself at the NHL level. And then, what, we're just going to rely on Stutzel, Batherson, Norris. Like, these are all kids, like, trying to make it in the league. We can't have a team getting rid on by these, like, rookies. So, I think it's going to be kind of a rough year. I think we're drafting both, high. Both very fair points. I'm just getting excited, I guess, and uh, jumping the gun a little bit. <laughs> but that's, just to bring it back quickly to the draft, is that, we're all anticipating now. I'm not saying that I don't think we're going to be a bottom 10 team. I think we're just going to be a, a tough team to play against. So if we, the three of us, are in that agreement that we'll probably be bottom 10, I'm just confused as to why we went and drafted a D fifth overall. When you know, if you look at this next draft coming up, there's like seven defensemen vying for top five positioning. Mm. So that's like... A lot of options to choose from if you end up being one of the worst teams. So I would I would have preferred to just take a defenseman looking at next year, but that's just me. That's why I'm not a GM or a scout. Mm-hmm. I just make hot takes thinking that we're going to be a contender next year. But, <laughs> um, well, well, what like the only thing I can really see is that maybe they're thinking, okay, Sanderson is looking way better than any of those Ds from next year. And if we do end up having that high of a draft pick, we can trade it into with maybe another prospect or whatever into an already good player where it helps moving up faster than if we had draft another 18-year-old D where that's like, all right, he's not going to be playing for another two to three years minimum. So that's where I can see, okay, they're like obsessed with Sanderson. We need to grab this guy and then... We'll just trade whatever happens next year if there's really no off- no offensive guys to take. That's how I kind of see it. Well said. Yeah, Darion's skill is supposed like his specialty is supposed to be scouting, right? Like he's an he's really good at scouting. So he they obviously like we've been saying all night they see something in Sanderson. He's going to be our, one of our pillars on defensemen. So like hopefully for the next like fifteen years. Along with the faith in the crown. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> that caught me these, off guard. These that was obscure good. comments coming in out of nowhere. I love it. <laughs> um, yeah, the Duclair, Matt, you brought it up there. That was a little disappointing when we yeah. didn't qualify him or at least come to terms on something, maybe even a one-year deal with him. A little disappointed to see Duclair walk because he was definitely someone who had seemed like found a home in Ottawa, was a 20-goal scorer for us, 
exciting electric talent and um yeah i mean an older guy in our lineup as well zach like you said our average age next year is looking pretty young i don't know if you saw this we signed matt pekka and logan shaw today two depth signings that's just to get bodies on an nhl roster but those guys are fringe nhl players so those will be vets but those are not skilled players at all whereas duclair would have been an older guy older 25 years old but still has been in the league a long time and has a resume behind him to like for some credibility and for these young guys to look at so that's disappointing to me i hope we can sign like a connor brown who will be 26 going on 27 That'll be an older guy. And yeah, Tierney is probably going to get re-signed, Matt. Mm. Um, I know you're not a fan. And just to bring it back to White, I feel like he's someone who's going to have something to prove again this year and want to bounce back from that atrocity of a, a sophomore year that was for him. Because if he can get going and be like a reliable mid-six center, ideal like third-line center, that'd be great. Because I foresee Norris pushing for top six. I don't see him not being like a second line center, if not first this year. But it's a lot to to throw at a young guy like that. He'll only be twenty, so twenty one maybe. So we'll see. Tierney Tierney's gonna be like a a top nine, a third line minimum centerman, if not second line center. If White can't figure it out, and then there's the Logan Brown question. So I don't know. Well, a lot of question marks still. Yeah, because really the other like older forwards, you got Nick Paul, twenty five, not really that old, and Anisimov, like he's he's still around, I'm pretty sure. So that's a that's a veteran guy up front who he's not gonna be like a top six guy, but at least he's got some experience and can take off some load from the younger guys. But no, it's uh, if we can hopefully we can re sign Brown because yeah, I was really disappointed that Duclair is leaving. Is that's something that like really sets the team back now is that because we don't have that a little bit older, like more skilled looking like someone who's on the rise, you know, 20 goal season, that was big. It looked like he had flashes like, okay, this guy can be a 30 goal scorer potentially consistently. And now that he's maybe gone now, it's just, okay, we got to wait for these 21, 22 year olds to get up to that 25, 26, where that's probably when we're going to be at our most competitives or like climbing up there before they get a little older. So yeah, it sets us back, but uh, maybe maybe more free agent moves uh, coming up for the Sens. Some of more value, not just re-signing two-way guys that are going to be up and down from Belleville to Ottawa catching the bus on the year. So, oh, do we got something exciting cooking so up? There is some some breaking news that we can just get into right now. So this basically solidifies that. Alex Petrangelo will not be in St. Louis because Tori Krug is signing in St. Louis. Oh, Ooh. wow. Okay. Oh, wow, that's huge. What what uh, what kind of deal do you get? So it's not, the terms haven't been, it's not even official yet. It's just analysts are reporting this right now that Krug is going to St. Louis. I hope by the time we're done this, this isn't fake news and we can have terms and everything. But that's what, Pierre Lebrun is tweeting and Al- Elliot Friedman. So those are two reputable sources. Yeah, yeah I don't think they I doubt that be. they'd be tweeting that if it wasn't correct. Damn. Are you sad, Zach? <laughs> uh, I came to terms with the fact that he was probably leaving. There's a small, like, I told Eric the other day, I'm like, ah, I think he's going to stay in Boston. I think he's going to see in free agent. They're not going to give him that much more money, and he'll be like, all right, I'll just stick it out in Boston. 
pretty sad to see him go. It's uh, now it's huge, huge hole to fill in Boston's uh, decor. Like McAvoy, obviously, is a young stud. Hasn't really shown his full offensive capabilities, I think, because Krug was taking so much time with the PP1 and just key offensive situations. So now we'll see if he's able to handle the PP1 responsibilities and if he can actually be a top, like, at least, like, 50, 45 to 50-point season because I don't think he's had more than, like, mid-20s in a season. Yeah. And it's going to be, I think McAvoy is eventually going to become that kind of player because we saw in his first ever Stanley Cup playoff appearance in 2017, the guy looked like a veteran stepping in it. How old was he? Like 20 tops? Max, yeah. So he's going to be a, a weapon for Boston down the road with Krug. Now it's official, by the way. So Krug, seven years, 6.5 million. So it's a little disappointing for from a Boston perspective that you couldn't get this done in Boston. I don't understand that, but um, that's the terms. Seven for six and a half. I feel like he was offered something very similar, but I guess it just wasn't as long. I read six times six. And yeah, a half. okay, so what the he hell? he wanted that extra year, apparently, of security. Man, so. that's ridiculous. Okay, that's what I thought I saw, too. Wow, that's a, that's a huge slap in the face to Boston. I guess maybe he just feels like Boston's on the decline, like... Krejci might be gone like I think they have to re-sign him or or maybe I'm that's, not sure I think actually that might be the next year anyways I think maybe he just feels like it's over for them and damn so while we're recording this like I said Petrangelo hasn't signed anywhere but now this pretty much guarantees he won't be signing in St. Louis so where are we thinking for Petrangelo top free agent um, target right now where would you uh, either like to see him go or think he would go now that St. Louis is no longer really an option all right, well, you know, I think uh, most of the speculations was going that uh, Petrangelo was going to be signing in Vegas after the uh, uh, salary dumping from Statsny going to Winnipeg, trying to make some room there to sign a big uh, big D, because really, Vegas has Shea Theodore, stud, but doesn't have so much experience when you can think, when you compare him to Petrangelo, Stanley Cup winning captain, log in those heavy minutes so if they were able to find a way to get him that'd be insane but there's for sure so many other teams that he can think about going I mean Boston just lost Krug maybe they're willing to give him more money make be more flexible to make a better deal for him have a quick reversal of teams for Petrangelo and Krug you never know but uh I think I think Vegas is the front runner. It's kind of an easy answer if uh, just based off what the, all the analysts are saying, but I, I can see it happening. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I would have liked to have seen him like with a like a Vancouver, Calgary, or Edmonton. That would have been nice, but I don't think Petrangelo wants to play on one of those teams. He wants like a more immediate cup contender. So you're probably right. Um, but uh, Calgary getting like a goalie now, Markstrom. So I was very happy for them with that, like a six-year deal, I believe. Because like Calgary, I felt they should have beat Dallas. So I, I don't know. They're, they're, I like Calgary a lot. They're fun to watch. And I'm just happy that they're improving their team. Yeah, no, I definitely thought they would be contending to knock off Dallas in that first series. 
and uh, they have a really solid team. Like they had a really good decor. Um, Hannafin's just getting better, so we'll see if he keeps going on the the rise up. You know, Giordano, he's great, and but his his years are limited now too. He's getting up there. They just lost Brody, um, but putting in a steady goalie like Markstrom, and now that he knows he's the guy, he's got the money, he's got the long-term security, Talbot and Riddick, you know, they had their moments of good, but then like going back and forth, like you don't have to worry about that, you got a stud back there, so yeah, maybe Monaghan and Goudreau get back to what they used to be, like they had a bit of an off-season, so... They need to be more of a stellar firepower tandem if they really want to be contenders. And that's not even talking about Matt Kachuk. That's a it's another beauty over there. <laughs> no so doubt. I agree. Just quickly on the Petrangelo front, Matt, I agree. I would like to see him go to one of those teams. Like Obviously, I think Vegas is a front runner in that they cleared cap for him, and I wouldn't be surprised if it happens. Boston would be interesting, but I hope he doesn't go there. Um. I'd love to see him go to Edmonton, right? Because they're missing like that stud number one defenseman. They have Darnell Nurse. I don't see him as a top two D. He's a top four, like a great top four defenseman. And Clefbaum is their number one D. And that's, again, playing too high in the lineup. I think we've already talked about this on the pod. Everyone's playing too high in the lineup. So put Petrangelo on the top pair. That'd be perfect. Does he want to go to Edmonton? Probably not. Not the best living conditions there. Sorry, Edmonton listeners. But... <laughs> <laughs> to play with McDavid, maybe that's something that would entice. You'd think more people would want to yeah. go there just to get the chance to play with McDavid and the most recent Hart Trophy winner. But maybe I'm just crazy. I think I think it so, just yeah, it, seems like too much pressure for them. You know, you go to Edmonton, it's like, all right, you know, you're playing with McDavid. You have to produce with them. So all these guys, like, kind of like a, a Lucic situation where he went there and shit the bed amazingly that like kind of scared everyone else like oh man did you see what happened to Lucic over there I don't want to be the next guy sign a monster deal and fuck it up like that it's for sure it's the Lucic effect for sure (laughs) but uh yeah so I think that's uh that's a big play like Edmonton huge market you got McDavid there like it's not everyone who can play with a superstar so huh it put it puts a lot of pressure a lot of pressure (laughs) But agreed, though, like, don't, I don't have much to add on Markstrom. I think you already you both covered it well. He'll be great in Calgary, and I want to see them have a nice bounce back from, again, I also think they could have knocked out Dallas. So with the right goaltending and Talbot out of there, that's a, like an easy, there's been like a carousel of goalies today. We can talk like Talbot signed in Minnesota. I don't think that's the answer. Three years, I didn't write down the annual value there, but whatever it is, I don't think Talbot's going to be it. They have this prospect, Kapo Kakonen, who's going to emerge as their number one by the end of the year, book it. Talbot won't be the answer for Minnesota. I mean, That's all I have to say on that signing. I hate to say it, but Minnesota's got another 15 years before their cup contender, so I don't really <laughs> think it, gives a, it really matters who they're Ouch. signing right now. 15. <laughs> a lot of questionable moves the Luke Cunning trade, I think, is a mistake. And what the hell is I that? I don't see why they got rid of a young 22-year-old first-round pick who's done nothing wrong at this point in the NHL for Nick Bonino. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's a terrible trade that mm-hmm. Nashville is going to be reaping the benefits of down the road in getting Cunning for Bonino. But 
Come early to say, but is this the next stealing of Philip Forsberg esque trade? I'm dumping Martin Erat to get Forsberg, Nick Bonino for Cunning. These guys are just laughing poil, that evil wizard. <laughs> How about that Montreal the Montreal Columbus trade? Ooh, yeah, that that was interesting. <laughs> and then the huge contract. One. Just gonna yeah. dump that money on him. You're the yeah. guy. Bergevin, son. Talk about pressure though for Anderson. Oh God. Yeah, because it's not like he can they can trade him now. He's like that's a huge contract. If he doesn't produce, and like Montreal's gonna eat him alive, first of all, if he doesn't produce, <laughs> then it's like, how the hell are we gonna get rid of this guy? Alright, we're gonna have to buy him out. Molson come. Are you kidding me, Bergevin? He better he better be the guy. Because that's not gonna be a pretty ending for him. That's the thing. I think it's a win. Like when I saw the trade at face value, like this is a win-win. Columbus gets a number two center if Domi ends up being a center for them, and Montreal gets a a great power forward who's very skilled as well. I love Josh Anderson. When they knocked off Tampa last year, he was a big part of it. Just watching him, he plays that playoff hockey gritty that Montreal needs. The contract, I'm not a huge fan of because for exactly the points you just said, so much pressure now and he's been having difficulties staying healthy. There's going to be expectations of him maybe being a 30-goal scorer, he's not, which he's never done. He'll be a good, I've been saying mid-six center a lot this pod, but I'm going to stick to that. He's not a first-line player. He's a good second-line player, great third-line player. I think that's where he slots in. But so much pressure. And I hope, I, even though I hate the Habs, I hope for Anderson that he can make this work because I loved him as a player. And I was like, that's a guy I would have loved Ottawa to get. Maybe not give out that contract. So it's uh, hopefully you can make it work, Anderson. But that's a lot of pressure. Yeah, I can't add anything. Like, I thought it was a great trade, but then the signage was questionable. Uh, it was obvious Domi, Domi wasn't cutting it in uh, Montreal. I don't know if it was the pressure or well, playing in Montreal, you think you're like you're the hero or a zero. Yeah. And I like I personally I would never want to play in Montreal if I was a player. Never ever. It's just you get questioned on everything. Yeah. Go the ahead. way Domi went out to it was Dark Knight esque in in that you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain because that's exactly what Domi became in that I told my fr- I, I talked about, about the trade with a couple of my friends who are Habs fans and they couldn't be happier to have Domi out of there, which you asked them that a year ago, if they would take that trade, they'd say no chance in hell. So it's just crazy how things change in La Nation du Québec. <laughs> yeah, Thanks no, for making a Dark Knight reference, <laughs> by the way. Gots to every episode. Just for you. Every episode. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it was tough to see uh, Domi struggle, and he he said it himself. Like I saw um, he like in some analyst had uh, tweeted out like Domi said it was his role was super unclear under Claude Julien. Like he never knew like what he should do, what kind of player he was in. He was going in and out. Like it was just a bad situation. They had to get rid of him. And yeah, like like both you guys said, it was a great trade to get Anderson, but. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how the rest turns out because it's a lot of pressure. Uh, I do like the added some size on defense with Edmondson, though. Like, mm-hmm. I think that'll help Montreal. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a good signing for sure. A good trade and then signing. I think at fair value. I forget how much he's getting paid, but it's a good contract comparable to what other defensemen are getting. There's another, like there are a lot of like I said goalies being signed. What were your thoughts on Lundqvist signing with uh, Washington after getting bought out? The king is dead in New York. <laughs> yeah, I like, I understand like where both like both teams are coming from. New York, they got two up and coming goalies. You know, Lundqvist was amazing for them for so long, but really it, it wasn't going anywhere. So you kind of had to cut that tie. And then Washington, they got a great up-and-coming goalie in Samsonov, but you can't give him the reins and expect him to play 60 games this year. Or even, fifth, like, it's probably going to come down to a 40-40 split, depending on if one of the goalie plays really out of his mind, he might get a couple more games, so... I like the signing for Washington, just one year, help out Samsonov, and then reevaluate the following year. Like, all right, is he really the guy? Can he be a starting goalie consistently? All right, let's just find a backup now. Or do we have to do something similar with maybe somebody else? Or it it's more flexible. Well said, Zach. Like it's he's just a, like a a, a fail. Uh, Lungfish is just like a fail safe in case something disastrous happens to Samsonov and. He's just a good veteran guy to have. And then, like, Vancouver, they signed uh, Holpe, right? Yeah. For two years, I believe. So yeah, two times 4.25. It's like an audition signage, I guess. You know, see what he can do. Mm-hmm. And it's very safe. Uh, I just want to talk about uh, Ekman Larson. I think he requested a trade, and he wants, like, either Vancouver or Boston yeah. only. Yeah. Do you guys find that really weird? Like, those two specific teams? Yeah. I don't. I don't get that. Yeah, me neither. You guys have more insight on that? <laughs> Not really. Like, I saw exactly what you just <laughs> said. Like, I saw you requested a trade. I saw Boston and Vancouver. Those were where you wanted to go. Like, maybe some kind of family ties. But, like, yeah, maybe, like, his wife or something. I don't know. No idea. And uh, I was excited. I'm like, oh, man. Like, Oliver yeah, Ekman Larson can go to Boston. That's unreal. Yeah. Especially with the fact that I most likely knew Krug was going to be gone. Now he is. So if that if that could happen, oh man, that'd be that would help the organization like crazy. Uh, Vancouver, I kind like they're up and coming. So I don't know why a more veteran, older player like I don't think Vancouver's winning in the next couple of years really, and I don't know how many more years this Oliver Ekman Larson has. So that was that was kind of a weird one, but hey, the guy made up his mind clearly. It's where he wants to go. The thing with that is that the window's closed. He had said that like earlier in the week and that I only want to go to these two teams. If it doesn't happen by Friday at 12, I'm staying in Arizona. So he's staying in Arizona. And that what's crazy to me is that how are you going out in public saying these things and then expecting to come back in training camp to see the boys? Like, what's up, fellas? I was trying to see if I could get traded somewhere, but I'm, I'm okay being your captain here for the next six years. The yeah. guy's the captain has six more years on his contract. How are you going out in public saying, I want to go to these two teams? If not, I'll sell for Arizona. Wild to me. And I'm happy nothing got done for him. Screw him. Now, now go, go back, back to your team and face, I hope, some sort of accountability from your teammates. And, and it's just a very weird situation. And um, 
I'm glad that neither of those teams bit because I think it wouldn't have been a great move for either. Maybe Boston would have made more sense because they lost Krug, but Vancouver makes no sense. They need to sign Pedersen and Hughes to probably monster contracts after next year. They don't have room for Ekman Larson. Makes no sense. And I love the Holtby signing for Vancouver. Going into the expansion draft now, I don't know where that's going to leave either of the goalies um, as uh, with Demko and uh, Holtby as candidates to be fished out to Seattle. But um, I think I think it's great. 1A, 1B tandem. And Yakman Larson, yeah, it's mind-boggling to say the least. It would be infuriating for his teammates, right? Like, come on. It would bug You'd any think, one of yeah. us. Oh, yeah. Yep. You, you, you know his heart's not in the city or in the for the team so and Arizona's a funny team like they can make the playoffs in the eighth or seventh seed and uh I don't know it's not a hockey they got place worked in the playoffs yeah. Yeah. oh my god that was embarrassing oh, yeah. yeah yeah come they they got that's another team come mm-hmm. Keller's not taking those guys anywhere Phil the Thrill is just eating hot dogs and hamburgers and loving life in the <laughs> sun. I'm not taking two shits about hockey. No. Just I'm getting paid. Yeah. He's got his cup. Yeah. Cups. You got to respect that. He he says what he does. Like he, he He's, he's going to do what he wants and enjoy he's, life. Exactly. I want to say he had a brutal year in Arizona. Terrible. Like it, wasn't, it wasn't a great year. Oh, my God. Horrible season. It got him. <laughs> like people are expecting him to do great things like this guy's not in his prime come he's not gonna carry a line by himself oh yeah kessel's gonna have like 80 points this year like quit dreaming bud this guy's gonna push for 50 points 60 points he's not doing much more now 38 points in 70 games oh Whoa. And man, that's coming off like he had 82 the year yeah. before in Pitt, in Pitt 92 though. the year before. So, I mean, wow. expectations maybe weren't that unrealistic in that he could still produce, but you're not playing with the same players as you were yeah. in Pittsburgh. That's the thing. Yeah, no, it's completely Spe- Speaking of teams that hope players will re- will produce like they did, uh, Wayne Simmons' uh, signage. I mean... He's yeah. done, right? He's passed his... Yeah, uh, he's he's not going to be... Like, in Buffalo, people... Or, is that where he signed? Or, no, yeah, he's... Yep. Yeah, he signed in Buffalo last year. And then got traded. Did he get tra- Like, where, where did he even play last year? No, felt like it was so irrelevant. End of the year in New Jersey. Okay, maybe yeah. Did, uh, okay, no. but... Any, like, I remember it was kind of like a similar situation, like, last year in Buffalo. Like, oh, yeah, this is a great signing. You know, he's going to bring some toughness. Yeah. He's going to help out with, like, a younger forward offensive core. Like, they were trying to trade him within, like, the first, like, two months of the season. Like, they're like, all right, this, this isn't working out. I don't think it'll be the same thing in Toronto just because Toronto is a much better team than Buffalo. They have more firepower, so there's not going to be really that high expectations for Simmons. I think it's more going to be like, all right, you're going to be on the fourth, maybe third. You're going to be on the fourth line. And just like, you know, we need that grit. We need that guy to just get in the goalie's face and like make him uncomfortable out there. And uh, I think I think he'll be more effective in Toronto than he was in Buffalo. So it was actually the other way around. He signed with New Jersey okay, and, then got, and then, then got traded, traded to, to Buffalo. Buffalo. So there we go. Yeah. So we had the two teams right, just the order off. But yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think he'll be 
a very complimentary piece, like third line max. Not but he'll fourth. be well surrounded. Yeah. And he, he'll know his specific role. Yeah. Um, yeah that's but the why. Leafs lost Kapanen, right? And yeah. Kapanen, like, I had never had a problem with him. I always liked his play, and, like, it's a money thing, right? So, mm-hmm. I don't know. The yeah. Leafs have, if I'm a Leafs fan, this, you have so much to prove, like, the team, Oof. because the Leafs aren't going in, in an upward trajectory. They're always limping in the, pl- like, losing in the first round or, like, they're not the going to the next round. level. They're not going to the next level. Tom, I think yeah. uh, maybe, maybe if Boston starts hitting the downward trend, then like Toronto's gonna f- light up like the heavens of answer. Like, thank God, you know, we can get past Boston, and then maybe get something <laughs> snowball rolling. But uh, I don't think that's happening in the next, uh, at least not next year. Maybe the year after. Still at that, I don't think so. So, uh, Toronto gotta gotta keep uh, working Dubis putting all the pressure on him because apparently it's the GM's fault if the team doesn't do well, but whatever. We'll just uh, skip past that. So speaking of Leaf fan who thinks he could be the Leafs GM, friend of the program, Justin Mocktinger, actually submitted a few questions for us. Love you, Justin. So um, he had a couple of questions. Maybe we can get into a few. Like there were some submissions we got. So we'll start with Justin. Thought First thought was... What are your overall thoughts of the Sens? Do you think even with the massive elephant in the room ownership, the Sens can have sustained success? I'm wanting a Leafs versus Sens playoff series because the new logo reminds me of Leafs playoff series victories. Okay. Oh, God. Well, um, elephant in the room ownership. Do you guys have any thoughts on Melnick at this point? I think everything's been said. I think everyone knows how everybody feels about him. I don't necessarily think it's going to be a factor on the players right now because there hasn't been that many signing situations, if that makes sense. Like, they're all pretty young. None of them really had that big negotiation problem. So, right now, I don't think it's a huge issue. I'm just scared that down the road, like, Melnick is going to deter good players to come to Ottawa because they know it's like he's a horrible owner and he's not rich. And, like, I heard some people saying, like, they were hoping, like, because all the NHL revenues are down that Melnick might sell, but that's, like, too good to be true. Like, I wish. He already screwed up the whole arena situation in Ottawa, so I'm pissed about that. Um but uh, at least versus Sens, I hope, like, I, I'd love to see that because the Sens are due to, like, we need to win a series against the Leafs in the playoffs. So oh, yeah. I think we can do it eventually. Yeah, that, that'd be some amazing atmosphere hockey to go to. But then again, there'd be too many Leaf fans and I'd want to kill some, everybody yeah. there. Oh. And yet another question was, who do you think did the best in the draft and early playoff and cup predictions, if possible. But best in the draft. I mean, I think Ottawa's up there, to be honest, for just because of the, of the fact that we had three first-round picks and the analysts are saying that we knocked the top two picks out of the park and then Ridley Gregg as our third first-round pick was good as well. I mean, the teams at the top are easy to praise, like L.A., New York, added studs. I was gonna say the the Rangers won the draft through the through the lottery because yeah. they got a fant- phenomenal player. So 
they won, but by not doing anything, just by like the luck of some stupid decision that was made, <laughs> where a team that was super good could uh could get the number. Yeah. Anyways, we're not gonna get into that. With like I a, say the Rangers won the draft. Yeah. With a rigged ping pong ball that was slightly heavier than everybody else's, but okay. Yeah. It's besides the point. What about uh, early? I haven't heard that rumor. Early cup predictions. Ah, uh, God, that's so hard to say just because we don't really know what the stand, what the regular season is going to look like. Like, are there going to be a bunch of bubbles? Like, that 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 would change everything. Like, we can't just base it off teams and players. It would be like that whole living situation. So, just straight up, I think. Ah, uh, God, that's. I think Tampa's going back to back. That's my early cup prediction. Tampa, St. Louis. Okay. Do you want to care to make a prediction or? Yeah, no, I I think Tampa as well as a shot, especially if they can lock up Sergachev, Sorelli, and Cernak again. I think they're uh, now they'll, they'll have even less pressure. They'll be playing with the house's money. It was like last year was Tampa's year to win as well. They didn't get it done. Came back even harder this year. Got it done. Now, and their core is still young. Point proved that he's a superstar and one of the best centermen in the game. Kucherov, what more can be said about him? And Hedman, if Sam Coast is healthy again, uh, Vesna caliber goalie. I think that's definitely an easy pick as well. But I'd like to see like Colorado, Edmonton step it up a little more there and maybe take the next step, but we'll see. I guess Tampa again, not Toronto. I, I want to see them lose again in the first round. It's just it's the little things, you know. Yeah, I'd love <laughs> to the see them not even make yeah. the playoffs. That'd be something. So another question we got was from our uncle Big Al, also alumni on the program. His question was, "Where do you think Duclair will go now that he's been released from the Sens?" God, I didn't even think of that. Honestly, yeah. I could see a fit in Calgary, like inject some exciting skill in the top six even more. Like right now they have Kachuk playing with like Backland and who's the other guy who he plays with? Uh, it, the, wasn't it Dubé? No, du- well, maybe in the playoffs, but I think Dubé's third line. But yeah, I guess Dubé could come up. But anyways, I think Duclair would be a good top sixer for them and then if Dubé emerges as a second liner slide him down to the third line but I could see a fit for Duclair in Calgary I know Duclair's been on like what like five teams already like I can see him maybe in Philly or Washington I don't know why okay like a team that will make the playoffs probably and like just need more scoring not that they need more scoring but you can never have enough good forwards so I don't know yeah I could I could see him signing in Carolina actually Ooh, ooh, that'd be that'd be interesting. Yeah, I like that. Carolina's a dark, dark horse. Very like, dark horse. And come, um, they yeah. have they have some a lot of skill, but it's not uh-huh. like they have like that much. Like he could easily slide in on the second. Maybe if he's struggling a little, be like kind of effective on the third. But I can see him being a top six guy in Carolina and being like relied on for more than secondary scoring kind of thing. I like it. All good answers, different answers all across the board. I like it. 
Um, Zach, you said there's a question that came in on your end. Yes, another great, another uncle, a former member of the podcast, uh, Hoisters, Uncle Patrick Smith, with some great uh-huh. questions. So first of all, he starts off with, how soon can the Sens be called a realistic contender? I'm going to let somebody else answer this because I have many thoughts afterwards. How soon? Uh, two, I think two, three years. And I'm just going to give a short answer and let like you guys expand on that. Yeah, I would agree with that as well. Three, I'd probably lean towards three more than two because I think like we've already established next year is most likely going to be rough. The year after that, maybe we start to take some steps forward, but still not a playoff team. I think as of that third year, it could be realistic to expect that we'd be a playoff team because now all of our young guys, if this is the core going forward, they'll all be that much more experienced, more comfortable in the NHL. By that point, you're going on Kachuk in his fifth year in the NHL. And I think you're looking at hopefully a Jamie Ben replica at a, obviously a little younger. They're still 23 but that's your end game for Kachuk. If he can become a Ben in his prime by that point, even if it takes a little longer, you've got to start up front. And Stutzel, if we don't want to put too much pressure on him there, if, but um, Kaner, you, we, we have um, a lot of bright spots up front. And then Shabbat will just be ideally one of the most exciting D in the game. And um, Murray hopefully still playing some great hockey so i think three years is uh, when we start to be really competitive yeah yeah that's a fair fair question fair answer i was thinking more like when you said like serious contender i'm like leaning towards like five to six years where we can actually push for eastern conference finals birth to the stanley cup playoffs again three to in three years i think we should be pushing for the playoffs hands down even maybe two years like just try to bubble like close towards the playoffs third year we should be fighting for the playoffs fourth year a little closer like for a second round i think fifth fifth year maybe six is when like most of our guys are going to be hitting those prime because they're all like relatively in the same age group for the core amount of people so then we have those guys nearing the prime like late 20s early 30s physically more developed more experienced you know just all great things that hopefully if they keep growing as players then they'd be where you'd expect them to be in that time period like you like you already talked about about all the like key players they'd be older at that point well just give them a couple even more years with some playoff experience now at this point so now they know what it takes to be successful in the playoffs in the nhl and then you add in potential defensemen like jbd um uh, sanderson like alassi thompson perhaps he could be like the glue at the like maybe like the third pair like just another steady first round pick who knows what kind of player that guy could be on our decor and then the other like uh, prospects that we have like you brushed over it a little earlier Eric um, Shane Pinto guy put up amazing numbers for a freshman in college this season he's six foot three so give him another year maybe two in college for him to fill out be like a pretty explosive mid-range third or second line player 
So I think in five to six years is when everything should be able to mesh together, especially if Murray could go through these four years as a stud and we keep him, and then we have like another maybe like three, maybe another four years of him. Everything should be in like that perfect pot where, all right, we got the experience, we drafted, we got all those picks, we drafted all these players, now it's time to put our money where our mouth is and actually get it done. Because if we don't get it done, it's going to just restart all over again and we're, we're fucked. <laughs> so the progression in all of our answers from the two, two to three, three years to me kind of expanding to that breakdown of it was just amazing. And yeah, I agree. I think that's a, a great assessment. Realistic. Where, where it's more realistic. realistic. Exactly. So, yeah, no, that's very well said, Zach. And I agree with everything you all said. Right, thank, for sure. thank you. All right. Now let's jump to the... Uh, uh, we kind of talked about it by answering our questions, but I'll just read the second part of the question. What are the next steps to ensure that the team is moving forward? In parentheses, besides signing Kachuk and making him team captain. So pretty aggressive, and I like it. All right, so does anybody want to comment on that? Uh, what are the key steps? Like, we kind of talked about it, but... Yeah, you yeah you touched on that. But uh, I don't know, just... You know what I'm afraid will happen is like if not next year but the year after we do like a deep run and then we get we start to lose focus and then sign a bunch of like free agents and then kind of screw up the sit like we're like we think we're further ahead than we actually are instead of playing the long wait for the five years and actually be like a good team for a long time. Yeah. I'm just avoid so avoiding that would be a step to take. Yeah, that's 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 very true. Like if we jump the gun and screw everything up, that can just then restart on the downslide faster and then just screw everything up. Yeah, that's a great point. I don't I hope they don't go down that path because that's kind of what happened with the Duchesne trade in that mm-hmm. maybe we fooled ourselves into thinking that we were legitimate cup contenders in 2017 in that we had kind of an easy path to the final in that we beat Boston and then New York and then ran into a, a tough Pittsburgh team that we almost beat, but we weren't there yet. And then they go out and get trade for Duchesne, and that's where it literally that was the turn in our franchise. That's mm-hmm. not an overstatement. So yep. trust the process. We have our all of our guys that we've drafted this is our core going forward, and yeah, we'll add to it with a few other drafts as well, draft picks as well, but this is it. There shouldn't be any, hopefully, big free agent signings. Like, Just trust these guys that this is the core that's going to take us forward, and it's going to take time. It's going to be ugly, but yeah, I agree. And get, be, making Kachuk captain, I think that's the plan as well. Not this year. Maybe the year after, but he's still young and hasn't really done that much in the league yet, other than be a very hateable player for other teams, tough to play against. He's put up 20 goals every season, very impressive, but I don't think he's still too young to be named captain already. Like, still needs to really establish himself as a dominant forward in the league to be our captain. Otherwise, he'd kind of be like a a Landeskog esque captain who by no means is he a, a bad captain, but I think if Colorado could do it over again, I think you don't name him captain, and then you have McKinnon as your captain, but 
I don't know. I don't. I think it was just early on land. Like the guy was 21 when he was named captain, which at the time was the youngest captain in NHL history. But I don't like. I don't necessarily think like McKinnon had to be the captain just because he's the best player. I think that's kind of like a common thing that people think like. It's not, that's not the, the biggest thing. Like, oh, he's the best player. He's the captain. Landis Cog, everybody loves him on Colorado. Like, he stands up for it. Like, I think, I think it's a good fit for him as a captain there. And if the guy got that as 21 years old, there's, there's clearly a reason why he's the captain. That's true. I'm just creating controversial. Uh, well, I'm, I'm stuffing <laughs> it right back at you. captain is the play down the road. Not this year coming up, maybe the year after. But I want to see an A on his sweater. Along with Shabbat, and like we've talked about already on this pod before, it's between those two. I don't see it any other way, really. Yeah, no, I think uh, I think that's that's a valid point. Kind of like I could see him kind of getting it, like when Bo Horvat got it, like twenty five years old, maybe twenty four for Kachuk, if that's the way we want to go. Because yeah, I think I think I think everyone thinks that uh, we're leaning more towards Kachuk than uh, Shabbat, but who knows. Either way, I'd be happy. <laughs> All righty. But, yes, I also think we should extend him, though, to Pat's point in that we should look to extend him, if possible, before this year's up because he could very well go off and put up maybe 60, 70 points in a full season with more talent up front, which would lead to a big raise for him. And I think Brady probably has those influences in his ear from his either his father, his agent, his brother, who just did the same thing. He popped off in his third year and got a, a great contract. Three years, seven mil. So the, the landscape is shifting now for these young players with their contract demands. And Matthews especially really messed it up for all these cornerstone pieces in that they now dictate when they go to free agency. And I think if you look at a McDavid, if he could go back and sign the same contract as Matthews did in a five-year, 11-mil term, walk right into free agency, shave three years off of a team that you may or may not want to still be on, that's a that's the best deal possible, I think, that Matthews got. So who knows if Kachuk will want to get a similar, obviously way less money. I'm not saying Brady Kachuk deserves nearly as much as Austin Matthews but he might want to go down that path with a five-year whatever eight seven eight mil per year but I hope we can get him in for eight years at a reasonable maybe six to seven we'll see Mm -hmm. yeah I think it's kind of hard to judge what the numbers are going to look like concerning what kind of contract we give White and then what kind of contract we give Shabbat but I think Shabbat's showing more that he's more superstar potential than Kachuk. You know, Kachuk might maybe mean more to the team. Ah, it's kind of a stretch, but I don't know if he's showing that he's skill-wise the same as Shabbat, so I don't think he'll get as much money he did. Plus, Shabbat in his last year before his contract extension really showed that he could be the top 2D to replace Carlson. Like, had the, the perfect year following the Carlson trade although a little bit of a down year the year after him to be expected to be expected the guy had nothing (laughs) exactly so no I I think there's uh as long as we can retain this core that's the thing now there's no excuse on Melnick's part to not want to pay our 
this current slash future wave of players that's going to be the f- the faces of our franchise. We let all the others walk. Sure, I can accept it now. I won't accept it in three years if that's again the same situation. Yeah, because if if he does do that, he's pretty much spitting in Dorian's face. Like, oh, you did all this work. You got rid of all the big guys. You like did all of this to get these new up and coming guys. I'm not gonna pay them. Screw you. Get more young guys. Like. <laughs> That's pretty much what he'd be doing. He'll be filming another video with Borvietsky again. Oh. <laughs> I had forgotten about that. Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of erased that from my brain. Tonight, the dark night. Yeah, dark night. On the last day oh. of free agency, Ottawa, we're thrilled to sign our favorite defenseman, Mark Borvietsky. You know him what? Back. Good for him, though. Getting that two times two in Nashville, I think, is very fair. How did he get that? I think that's fine though. Like he'll be a third pair defenseman, maybe even a seventh D if they. I don't know what their depth chart is, or if they have another prospect coming up on D, but that's fine. Good. He'll be a good guy around the community as well. Just mentor the youths, and um, just be a good presence. Good for good for Borvo. He loved to see a, a good local boy get paid. Yeah. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. Okay. I guess. But he's not a hockey player. He should be a coach or something. He's just or a, a cheerleader. He's just a tank. <laughs> Sorry, I really, I'm really on the hate train with him. I don't know. Quickly, I know what it is. It's every freaking Sens game I watch on TV, the camera zooms in on, on Mark's face all the time. It's like the camera has a, an attraction to him. And it's like, why? He's our worst player. <laughs> he's got the prettiest smile. That's why. <laughs> Yeah, toothless smile. Yeah. So now anyway. it's safe to say Tierney is going to be your go-to. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to rip him. Yeah, maybe just very quickly where you guys potentially could see a Taylor Hall signing. Just I, I, I just thought of it right now. We didn't really talk about it. Maybe just a quick little end off right there. Yeah, good call. Mm. Um, Hall, I could see they have the cap space. They need more talent up front, Zach, to relieve like you said, some pressure off the big, the Nate dog. I could see Colorado as a fit. Ooh, that um, is sweet. You know what? I think, honestly, though, if a team is paying Hall more than 8 mil a year, they're overpaying for him. Yeah. I think Taylor Hall is a great player, but not the guy who's going to be driving the bus. He had the one year in New Jersey where he won the heart somehow over McKinnon, but that's another story. I think he could do great things in Colorado, but don't overpay Colorado. Just get him at like six mil if possible. But um, he might want way more. That's the only thing. Like I don't know where Taylor Hall's head's at, but I see a fit in Colorado, and I'd be pumped if that happened. Yeah, I, I could see him holding out and going like wherever the money goes. <laughs> I'm just yeah, gonna like get yeah, yeah, like. Uh, do or they have, do a, they or have? Florida. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe not Florida. I think Hall just wants to be left alone, make his money. One yeah. of those players, right? Yeah, I could They're totally see that. I could, you know, like Arizona is probably giving him like a pretty good salary, and he's like, yo, like I just won the Art Ross or like the Hart whatever, like a couple of years ago. I want like nine million. <laughs> like, I could see him yeah. being that guy using that trophy as in like, I can drive the team. Give me the big bucks. 
it's not gonna happen, he, son. He has the potential to be the next Ma- this year's Matt Duchesne contract that gets handed out. In that, Nashville is gonna buy him out at some point because he's not gonna be worth that money. Eight mil for Duchesne, no chance. He's yeah, the next Kyle Turris. I remember when they signed him that trade that deal. It was way too much at the time, and Duchesne's even more. Ugh, yeah, they made some questionable signings. I was actually, I saw a tweet not, not too long ago. It was like, I bet you Sens fans are happy we didn't re-sign Carlson, Duchesne, Turris, and Zingle. Four guys that are all like on the down slope. And, and it's not that long ago. Like we traded them, what, two years ago? It looked like it was the end of the, end of the world back then. Now it's like, okay, they're kind of all shit in the bed right now. No, it's it's True. really making Dorian look good right now. All those guys, minus Stone, that's the only one that still kind of hurts. Yeah. But you got to move on, right? So yeah, just hope hope Branston prays off. Yeah, very well said. Yeah. Where do you think Hall's gonna end up, Zach? I was actually looking at a Colorado too, like join on the firepower there, but kind of like what we also said, like I could see him just holding out, like where like. Minnesota bringing him like on a Parise deal, like yeah, we're just a big signing. We got uh, Taylor Hall here. He's gonna change the organization around. Guy's gonna pull a Parise and never do anything for Minnesota and just die there. I don't know. On a serious note, though, I have no idea. Like, I think it's gonna be one of those deals. Like, whoa, okay, did not see that happening. So uh, the team that would kind of fit in there would be Columbus in that they shed a lot of salary in the last 24 hours. Mm. And people are speculating that they are, they're going to make a push for Hall. Can you see him going there? I don't know. Uh, I, I still live in Columbus. Yeah, I, that's what, exactly what I was going to say. Like, I don't, I, I don't think he would want, like, if you have all the options in free agency, do you want to go live in Columbus, Ohio? Like, ugh, I don't know. For a blank check, he might, though. Uh it's yeah. true, they got they, because Jones is signed to a pretty reasonable deal, and like so they 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 have money to play around with. Yeah, that's true. The the offer's yeah. good enough. You know what? A final thought. Another thing I'd like to see actually in a Hall is if he goes for reasonable money. Is the big movement that everyone wants to make happen is him going, going back, back to Edmonton? Edmonton. <laughs> I'd be all for that. No. <laughs> it's not happening but uh he's cursed in edmonton all his yeah. injuries and weird shit happening i don't know no I'm, they're better off with larson <laughs> all right well on that note i think it's a good place to to wrap it up so um yeah zach uh, thanks a lot for joining very insightful thoughts and yes. uh, opinions that you brought on the pod uh, it's always a blast talking to you about this stuff any final notes for the audience yeah yeah no definitely had a great time coming back out here thanks a lot for having me you guys and uh looking forward for the upcoming upcoming nhl season and uh it's uh hope everybody stays safe out there yes sir matt final notes again thanks zach for coming on like i always love hearing you talk about hockey and I uh, hope everyone's excited. I hope every NHL fan's excited because, like, I know I am. And also, on another note, everyone uh, stay safe during COVID and uh, have, a, have a great day. Yes, sir. So, yeah, thanks a lot, everybody, for listening. Thanks a lot, Zach, for joining us. Matt, as per usual, always a pleasure. 
Stay tuned for episodes dropping every other Monday, everybody. Stay safe. Love you all. And yeah, peace.